Hello and welcome to Boxing and Bullshit. I'm your host, Alex Diaz. It's Monday, January 20, 2020. Got a few different topics to go over, uh, beginning with the Julian J. Rock Williams catastrophe this past weekend, and also predictions and just an evaluation of this upcoming fights this weekend with um, Danny Garcia, Ivan Redcatch, and the Jared Hurd, uh, Chia Santana fight. So let's begin. So to begin uh, with last weekend's fights, this Julian William Jason Rosario fight. Um, there were some like maybe red flags, right? If you're a Julian Williams fan, some some things should have stood out. The very first one, and this may sound ignorant, but Sam Leokovitz has a really good eye for finding rare talent. He he discovered like Sergio Martinez. He's had some like legitimate dangerous and awkward fighters uh in his stable. And I, I wouldn't say he has the kind of money where he could just like pick up whatever fighters. He seems to like really invest and get close to fighters. But man that guy that dude can find diamonds and dirt so rosario had lost before and he's actually been stopped before so a lot of the people that were thinking about this fight they were like well this guy's been dropped three times and stopped before um a couple of years ago so j-rock with the kind of power that he has should be able to get him out of there this will be a showcase fight it's pretty much just going to lead to the uh, Julian Williams, a uh, Charlo rematch. Um, but boy, that went out the window because the dude was, uh, I looked about Bavada, um, a few different, I think like the MGM, I saw the MGM, um, uh, the betting odds, but th- there was lit places taking third, like 30 to one fucking odds. I mean, the lowest I saw was a plus, what was it a plus nine fifty for Rosario? That that's the lowest I saw. I was like, Jesus Christ! This is this just it's crazy. It's just crazy to see that kind of those kind of betting odds, and then the dude pulls off the upset and changes his life. But I I guess some some questions come up too because now you have to wonder like, okay, so this is Julian Williams' second time being stopped, and he was pretty much out on his feet. Um, is he chinny? You know, like, does he have like an Amir Khan style chin? Or is it just that he has holes in his defense and becomes overconfident? And he either like lunges forward and just doesn't protect his chin, doesn't really tuck his chin into his shoulder, and then just gets clipped. Because when Charlo knocked him out, I believe Charlo knocked him out with the right uppercut. And um, Rosario landed a left hook and a right hand that really buzzed him and kind of took his legs away from him. So you, you, you have to sit there and really think, um, is is it just that there's a flaw in his defense or is there something more alarming? But, it, man, it's just kind of hard to scrutinize, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain they overlooked his opponent. They could, you know, they they kept on talking about Jared Hurd, whether he was gonna like 
request his his rematch because he had a rematch clause. If um, they were going to end up making the fight like Charlo, it seemed like all the talking this week from the Williams camp wasn't really about their opponent, but more or less like the plans moving forward and everything after that. So it just it makes you wonder, like, is it that he does have flaws in his defense? Maybe it could be a little bit of both. I mean, he might be a little bit shiny. And the fact that they overlooked their opponent. Maybe also being stressed out about fighting. And dude, people came out to support him from Philadelphia. He's a Philly fighter. You had Hopkins. There. Like, people came out to show him love. And maybe it would, like, maybe the spectacle was too big for him. Maybe mentally, he didn't do what he needed to do. You know, maybe the stress, uh, the anxiety. It just, he, the stage might have been too big for him. And he kind of has to restart all over now. And losing to Rosario isn't the same as losing to Charlo because losing to Charlo, like, they have a big name. They have a big following. There's a big push for them by the PBC. So what do you do now? They're going to have to wait, I think, on the, like, He's asked for an immediate rematch. He does have a rematch clause. They keep talking about wanting to um, hit the gym, go fix whatever mistakes they feel they made, and request an immediate rematch. So now you have Jared Hurd, which I'll talk about a little bit because he has a fight coming up this very following weekend. And Williams might be out there in limbo now because you have to wonder... If Hurd wins, maybe they'll make the Hurd-Charlo fight. And if Williams doesn't doesn't really uh, get the chance to go for the re- immediate rematch, and even if, let's say he does, and he gets stopped again, he's fucked. Because at that point, he's, he'll just become a gatekeeper. And he's too young, and I think he's too talented to have to, have to be there. So it, it's kind of like... Um, a strange position for him because maybe taking a tune-up fight, sharpening your skills, tightening up your defense, changing something, and then moving forward, and then getting the rematch, trying to get your titles back, and then unifying. But it just it stands to be seen. And as far as like Rosario, like I think the dude's like from the Dominican Republic. He's he has a pretty good record. Um He's just like, you know, now fighting. Like, hopefully now he's going to be able to get, like, some bigger shots. This is, like, a life-altering win. And that's why, like, they tell you, like, you can't take any single fight for granted because on any given night, any fighter can beat each other. Will beat skill any day of the week. This isn't, like, this isn't a team sport. You make some mistakes, you got one person there to, like, make you pay for them and j-rock paid and now rosario is going to be able to like demand um like a 70 30 60 40 split if it goes to a purse bid having that title means so much and you know good dude like there's so many fighters out there and they like they risk their lives for our entertainment and they deserve to be compensated you got guys that are fighting on main events when they don't have a championship. They could be like a, you know, on a smaller scale, like a smaller 
card, and you know they're they're making like fifty thousand after paying for your corner, for your cutman, for your sparring partners, what you're going to pay in taxes, what your promoter get, you know, like what your manager gets. They deserve to be paid. They really do. Hopefully, you know, like he, if he gets every match, and Rosario happens to win, then hopefully he'll get a chance to to unify with Charlo, or maybe Hurdle step in then and you know get that shot. He's got three of the belts. He deserves to be paid. One fifty four is becoming pretty interesting again because everybody in that division has flaws. It just it it stands to be seen. Um, who who's going to come out on top? You I mean you would you would expect Charlo to, but the fact that he lost to Harris in the first fight, and in my opinion, he was getting wiped out most of the rounds in the rematch. It shows you that every single one of them has like significant flaws that can all be exploited. Some dudes have more power than others. Some guys box better than others. On any given night, anybody at 154, I'd say maybe in the top five, can beat each other. Hopefully, uh, we get to see all these fights. Let's have a round robin. Let's have a tournament. And get the fights we need. This, uh, this next weekend, we're going to have the Jared Hurd on the undercard of the Danny Garcia. So, on the undercard of the Danny Garcia, uh, I've already catch um, fight. You're going to have Jared Hurd at 154, who just lost his titles, coming back and fighting Francisco Chia Santana. Now, Santana has, what, four losses in this last seven fights? But the dude, if you go through his, like, box track, if you go through, like, his, um, his fights, he's fought really good opponents. Even like early on in uh, his career, I, I believe he fought um, Kareem Mayfield. He fought um, Julian Williams. He fought Charlo. He fought, I think, from like one forty-seven to one fifty-four. He's already fought, uh, I believe, six either current or former champions. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, you're going to have losses. But the dude has been competitive against some pretty decent fighters. So, well, like this is supposed to be a fight for her to, you know, to stand out and to kind of build up his confidence. It could it could kind of backfire against him because uh, Santana, he's a willful fighter. He, I wouldn't say has the most skills, but neither does Hurd. Hurd's not like a slick fighter. The dude's like six foot something. He's really big for 154. He, he's a freaking monster. He throws a shitload of punches, all sorts of angles. His problem is that guy has no fucking defense. His defense is his chin. Like, his face is like, <laughs> that's how that motherfucker defends punches. Like, he's like, yes, this, you know, my head is my, <laughs> uh, my defensive effort is being punched in the face. So, he, when he lost to J-Rock, everybody was surprised, but you could kind of see it coming because he didn't seem like, um, 
he puts in the effort to learn. Now, uh, this fight camp, to my understanding, is going to be has been different in the sense that he kind of changed trainers. His camp's a little bit different. Um, we're gonna see. We're gonna see if it was like the coaching. If maybe he's made some improvements. And this is supposed to be like a light match for him, like something that like if he's if he still has some of those flaws, he just has to work them out. And hopefully that corner um, can get him to do what he needs to do and to fix some of those mistakes. Because defensively, he's extremely flawed. The issue is having to make him pay. So when he lost to J-Rock, I think he lost to him because Julian Williams has really good power. Really good power. And he had a chip on his shoulder and he wouldn't give up. So even when Hurt was making a comeback, J-Rock just kind of outwilled him. And that's something that doesn't, like, Jared Hurt doesn't normally get pushed back. So when he did in this fight, it stood out. Like It was like, what the fuck? Like, you're not, you're not used to seeing this guy move backwards. And he's like, he's slugging it out. And Julian Williams just right there with him. And getting the better of the exchanges. So it it was refreshing, but it also kind of showed you like, man, you know, Hurd should have maybe worked a little either harder in the gym. Maybe, you know, he's been a little bit too hard-headed where he thinks he can literally walk through everything. I mean, there was a time when the guys at 154, people were looking forward to them, hopefully being able to make matchups with Golden Boy and having these guys face Canelo. Now, I don't think if, you know, somehow Canelo got down to 160 and Hurd went up to 160, the way he fights, Canelo would murk him. He, he, Canelo would beat the fuck out of him. You know, I, I'm almost certain that the uh, Jamal Charlo would too. Um, It just... I I I I hope to see him not just think he can win fights by outlining the the opponent. It, you know the best the best thing in boxing, you know, is that the rules to the sport are to be able to be offensive while being defensive. So you're going to be hit while not being hit. That's the point of the sport. You don't have to sit there and take unnecessary punishment. And become stagnant in your career. And and, and even um, like regress, you know, like the, from your talents. But Hurd does have like the height, the reach, the strength to bully opponents. I think it's just doing it in a smarter way. That's going to be more beneficial to like the length of his career and the success that he's going to have from it. Now for Santana, with I mean, I don't think there's any other way. Like this, is just make Hurd pay, have him make mistakes, have him coming in. He swings sometimes wildly. Just try and pick him off. Be the smarter fighter, and try and make him pay. I'm not saying he's like a slick and good boxer. It's just Chi has got to do something that one he's not going to be the favorite fighter. So the scorecards and it's a P, it's a PBC thing. They're gonna be rough. 
right? Like he's he knows he's going to go out there and he's not going to be the favorite. No one's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The rounds he has to win, he has to win clearly. And he's got to try and bank them. Because it, we, we've already seen one big upset. And hopefully we'll see a few more. The main event for the weekend is going to be the Danny Smith Garcia, Ivan Redcatch fight. What trips me the fuck out is how Garcia can keep getting fights where there's no danger in them to keep his name relevant, keep his like his knockouts going, just to keep him, you know, in the top four or five of the division. Look, however you look at it, it's either going to be Spence or Crawford, one and two. Either way, one could be one, one could be two in some people's list. The other could be two, the other one could be one, whatever. Um, Then you have Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao, and Sean Porter. (coughs) So, you know, Pacquiao's probably number three. Porter's right there, Thurman right below. And, I mean, you could have Thurman above him just because he beat Sean Porter. So you, let's say you have Bud, Spence, Pacquiao, Thurman, Porter. And then you have Danny Garcia. But the top five guys are challenging themselves. Ivan Redcatch is a fucking lightweight. If I think he's even fine. Like junior light. The, the guy does not belong at welterweight. He doesn't have the power to hurt Danny Garcia. And Garcia keeps getting these fucking fights. His his last win, I believe, was against uh, the kid from Chicago. Um, Adrian Granados. So, you... I, and that was actually... Um, the tickets are pretty cheap, so I actually went to that fight, right? So... We knew what the outcome was going to be. We knew what the fucking outcome was going to be. And it was a fight in Carson. And I figured, you know what? Might as well go. It's a local fight. Get to see uh, Danny Garcia. Get to see Granados. Get to see uh, Andy Ruiz was on that card. And I figured I might as well go. But I knew what the fuck was going to happen. Danny Garcia wiped out 140. He was even big for 140. He's like 5'9". He had a good knockout ratio. Throws that like no-look left hook. But why fight these guys that don't belong in the ring with you? It keeps your your win streak going. I, I get that. But you lost the Thurman when you stepped up, right? You have some bounce-back fights. You fight Sean Porter, you lose that fight too. Okay. He come, he's coming back. You're beating up a washed up Adrian Granados. Who doesn't belong at 147. A guy who lost to Adrian Broner in a close fight. But an Adrian Broner that we know wasn't what we thought he could be. He never met his potential, right? So if Adrian Granados can't beat that guy. And then you go and you fight him at another weight division. It doesn't make sense. It it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. 
So now you move forward. Okay, whatever. You get one, one, you get, you get that bullshit fight. All right, whatever. What do you do now? They're talking about making a fight with him and Mikey Garcia. Doesn't happen. Mikey Garcia is now over there on his own trying to fight Jesse Vargas. Okay. So he got offered a fight uh, with um, Terrence Crawford. Whatever happened, negotiations didn't go through well. Nothing nothing came of it. It was just talk, just rumors, just whispers, right? There, it, almost all of the elite welterweights are with the PBC. This motherfucker defies, decides to fight Ivan Redcatch. Ivan Redcatch at 140 isn't that good of a fighter. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, his last win was, like, at a fucking 3,000-seated fucking um, shit fucking casino over here fighting um, Devin Alexander, who's hasn't been himself in, like, five years. He's not worth the matchup. He's not worth paying to go see. He it's definitely not worth, you know, getting a title shot after. It that shit doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, we know the WBC, IBF, WB, these mother WBL, these motherfuckers are corrupt. The sanction and bodies are trash. The way that they rank their fighters is garbage. And then they'll jump. It's it'll be it's, it's like when guys talk about like mandatories and shit like that, or like voluntary mandatories, whatever, or voluntary defense. I'm sorry. Uh, the champ can choose to fight the fucking fifth ranked opponent. It it doesn't make any that that in itself doesn't make sense, right? So, having Danny fight and Adrian Granados last year, winning that fight, obviously. I mean. Whatever that happens, now you move on, and let's say he knocks out Red Catch, and I would I would expect him to knock him out within seven rounds. Danny's got he's too big, he's too strong, he's he does have pretty good fundamentals, but he does happen to throw a left hook, which is just like a wide haymaker. He'll land it though, he'll land it, and he tends to put people down. He did he has been incorporating his right hand a little more. You saw it in the Brandon Rios fight, even though Rios was uh, actually more successful than we thought he'd be. And then in the Granados fight, he landed over like a right a bomb, dude. So let's say he stops Red Catch, right? How does that make him worthy of fighting an Errol Spence? Because that that that's the fight that they keep talking about. Now, if you're Al Heyman. Would you rather have Spence fight Pacquiao or fight Danny Garcia? In my opinion, you pay Pacquiao and you cash him out because they're, if all the rumors are true, he's about to jump ship and he's just going to have his last fight and then he's going to go over to DAZN who can offer him the most money because DAZN really wants the Mikey Garcia-Manny Pacquiao fight. They want him to hand over the torch even though I'm not so certain that Mikey at 147 can beat a Manny Pacquiao. I think it's a lot closer of a fight than we'd expect. But, so you have, 
let's say, you know, you don't, can't make, let's say Pacquiao refuses to fight Spence. Do you put him against Danny Garcia? Or do you make a rematch with Keith Thurman? I'm 100% certain that Manny Pacquiao does not want to fight Sean Porter. They've People have mentioned it to him. Doesn't seem too interested. It's whoever's running Manny Pacquiao's Twitter or his Instagram allegedly posting, you know, or his Twitter and it's like posting or tagging, mentioning uh, Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford. When he was at top rank, the fight was off him, I believe, two to three times. And each time he turned it down. He doesn't want to fight Terrence Crawford. Errol Spence, I think you kind of... You can kind of see he's not really interested in that fight either. He's saying he is. I, I, I think with enough money offered to him, he would take it. But I think... For 10, 13 million around. No, he's not taking that fight. I think if he fights Spence, he's going to want to be cashed out. He's going to want to be compensated. I, there's no chance in hell he beats Spence. Spence is too big. Well, yeah, at least, I, you know, at least I thought that before the accident. The one thing with Spence is we don't know how that's going to affect his like nervous system and how that's going to affect his, his skills in the ring. Um, I mean, they were talking about April, May, maybe pushing it all the way back to June. But he's going to need a soft touch first just to see, I think, how his body responds to it. So hopefully he gets a little you know, a little soft touch. And, and and I think for him it's warranted you know, just because of what he's went through. We don't know exactly what's going to happen as far as like his, um, you know, court cases. I, it's just, that's just a mess. But I think... You put Spence in against Pacquiao if you can. And then you uh, have him do his mandatory. And then at the very beginning of next year, if not, you know, the first quarter, you have to make that Spence fight. But that leaves Garcia completely out of the loop. Because what are you going to do? Like, of uh, Rematch between him and Thurman would make sense, but neither of them has a title. Those guys aren't going to want to fight for $750,000. You know, they've been making a million and a half for fighting fucking bums. Danny Garcia's, you know, like, or, you know, fighting guys, fighting guys that don't belong in the ring with them. So if Garcia's used to, you know, having fights with the Rod Salkas, then they, you know, Adrian Granados and the Ivan Redcatch of the world, and he's making good ass money. He's not gonna want to fight, you know, Thurman for seven hundred fifty. I, I would. I don't think he'd fight him for a million dollars. A rematch with Sean Porter, same fucking thing. He's gonna. He he wants to be paid. The one thing you can like you can't say about them is that the dude's a hustler. They, he's been paid really well throughout his career. He's made a lot of money. And that's, I think, one of the problems that when you start overpaying your fighters like him, they're expecting that kind of money against anyone. And he wants to be a pay-per-view star. So if he can't get Pacquiao and he can't get Spence, what do you do with Garcia? I, 
I don't think that there won't be like a cross promotion where he goes over and he fights Mikey Garcia if Mikey Garcia happens to get through Jesse Vargas. I think you have to take you take Danny Garcia and man, a good fight. <laughs> it won't happen, but a good fight for him would actually be against Virgil Ortiz. Because Virgil Ortiz is showing glimpses of his potential. And I think the ceiling on that kid is really, really high. So if you get Danny Garcia, you know, if you get Al Heyman to be able to work with Golden Boy, right now would be the time to get Garcia. Uh, to get to get Virgil. Give that kid another year, another year and a half. He's gonna be possibly like the best welterweight in the division. I I I think that's how good that kid is. But some something needs to happen. I think people are really tired of seeing Danny Garcia fight guys that are on his level. And the problem is that every single time he steps up, he loses. And I think he loses clearly. The only people that think he beat Thurman and the only people that think that he beat Sean Porter are Danny Garcia fans. And that's it. If you're an unbiased boxing fan, he lost both those fights clearly. And every single time he loses, he goes right back to playing, pulling his bullshit where he starts fighting for the guys that don't fucking belong in the ring with him. If you're going to bet... Bet this weekend. Do a parlay. Bet on, bet on Swift. Bet on Hurd. And, you know, do a uh, do a long bet. Bet on uh, Swift, Hurd, and then on the Super Bowl, and make your money that way. But it, both those guys should win. They should win clearly. And hopefully, these fights lead. To bigger, better, and more competitive fights. I actually went over to my friend's house to watch. Um, I I thought we were gonna watch boxing and the UFC fight. And as I said many times before, I'm not I'm not big into like mixed martial arts. It's just not my thing. But um, you know, all over social media, even like on like the boxing pages on Instagram and all these pages, like you keep seeing. You know, Conor McGregor's back, blah, 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 like, Conor this, Conor that. The King's back. He's, you know, he's back on his winning ways. And for me, as someone that doesn't pay attention that close to that sport, it it does seem like the fight, as soon as it was signed, for most people, it was like a fight. It was a showcase fight. Just like I just mentioned the Danny Garcia and the Ivan Redcatch fight or when he fight Adrian Granados. Essentially, you're beating somebody whose name is a little bit recognizable, but they're not going to pose that many um, difficulties in the matchup, right? And it was a wipeout, dude. 40 fucking 40 seconds. I mean, it. it could you imagine spending three... Four, five hundred dollars on the seat to watch Conor McGregor fight someone for forty seconds when you knew that it was going to be a mismatch. Plus, spending whatever money for your hotel room and you know what I mean, like it just 
it didn't make sense. But you kept on seeing May like McGregor this, McGregor this, you know. Um, and then you had uh, Floyd actually post a picture on Instagram where he's talking about, you know, like he wants to fight either um, uh, Khabib or Connor, right? This year in 2020, let's make it happen. All this shit. Who should I fight? One or the other, one or the other, one or the other. Floyd Mayweather needs so much attention. The dude is like filthy, filthy rich. Owns a strip club, owns like private jets, owns all like his clothing line. And so much, but the dude needs to be the focus of attention always. Would I buy a Connor and Floyd rematch? No. No, I wouldn't. Actually, um, I did the first one. And it's like people were like hitting me up saying, hey, like, want to watch a fight, whatever. What if we all pitch in? Whatever. So we ordered the first fight. We had a big old, like, barbecue people came over. Um, but it wasn't really competitive. And it wasn't, and, and the reason I say that is because Floyd fought like he typically doesn't fight. You, you could see in his body he didn't train. He walked him down, gave him opportunities, and still, like, stopped him. McGregor shouldn't be boxing. McGregor's, like, mentioned that there's been, like, small talks between his camp, the UFC, and Pacquiao's camp. And they both have shown interest in that fight. Again, it it's just, it doesn't make sense to make these. They, they, they're, like... They're just circus. Like Pacquiao should focus on fighting Crawford. Mayweather, if you want to fight, fight fucking Spence. Like make those fights happen. McGregor should be fighting the best mixed martial artists instead of these bullshit matchups, man. And people eat this crap. I don't even know why the fuck people eat this shit up. It's just, it's annoying. Like, yeah, you guys deserve to make lots of money. Yeah, like, it just, there's so many great fights that can be made. And when those aren't being made and the, like, circus matches are being made, you begin to lose faith and eat both sports. We want to see the most elite fighters fight each other. I don't want to pay $100 to watch, you know, somebody who's, like, not deserving of fighting a Manny Pacquiao or a Floyd Mayweather. Make make a McGregor fucking Diaz three fight. Make a McGregor Khabib two fight. Make you know, make a fight with him and the Masvidal dude. But I mean, Floyd fight fucking dude. I could only imagine a fight between Floyd Mayweather and Sean Porter. Of Floyd Mayweather and Keith Thurman. A Manny Pacquiao. Against uh, Terrence Crawford. You keep seeing all this shit all over, you know, Instagram. Floyd feeding into it. You know, he, it could just be him fishing for attention. He's known to do it. But there's so much more than both, I think, of the sports could offer. That I, I have no interest in. Them. I just want to thank everyone for listening. Um, this episode might be a little longer than I expected. I'm trying to do like 
uh, an episode like over the weekends, maybe Sunday or Monday after like fights have already had like the fight results. And then on Thursdays, um, do it as a group with uh, three of my buddies. So we're all just trying to work our schedules together so we can like get together, get pretty fucked up, uh, bullshit, joke around, make fun of each other, you know, and do our picks and give each other's like perspectives on it. So on Thursday, uh, it will be the next episode that'll be up. But me and the guys, we definitely like, we appreciate anybody that, like, that follows it, that likes the podcast, that shares it. And just uh, thank you. Have a good night.